Welcome to the Future Church Podcast. Well, hey, welcome to the Future Church Podcast. The Future Church Podcast exists to help equip church leaders to reimagine how churches can become a place where deep discipleship. My name is Luke Etlamaki, and I'm the host of the Future Church Podcast. I am so glad that you're joining us today. Today in the podcast, we sit down with Pat Chabot. Pat is the Minister of Worship at Midtown Church in Vancouver, BC. He's been a pastor for over 32 years, written many worship songs. Uh, he's been married for 34 years, has eight uh, grandkids, sorry, eight kids, four grandkids. Wow. Uh, and uh, me and Pat sit down to have a conversation about the role that worship plays in discipleship. Uh, we talk about how you can look at planning out your services, your Sunday morning worship services, in, in a way to see discipleship take place. And so it's a really interesting conversation. I'm excited to, to have you listen to it. So let's dive in. Hey, well, I am here with Pat. Pat is a good friend of mine. I've, I've known him for a few years now, and uh, I've known him a little bit closer over the last year or so. Um, and Pat, you're just a, a guy who I, I so appreciate. You're uh, the uh, Minister of Worship. Did I get that right? Minister yep, of Worship yep. at, at Midtown Church in Vancouver, BC. Um, and, and you're a guy who I just love to talk to and, and be around. You just, uh, always just show the love of Jesus and everything you do. Um, and so I'm, I'm so glad to talk to you about worship ministry today and, and the role that, uh, worship leading worship has in discipleship in the local church. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, when I thought about this topic, you're the first name that came to my mind because, uh, uh, many different reasons, but one just uh, I see how how the how much work and effort you put in to make sure that as you lead worship, it's not just us singing songs, but you're taking us on a journey to know Jesus. And oh. I love that about you and, and how you lead us in worship and the various events I've been to that you've done that. Uh, before we dive into all that, though, I would love if you could share a bit about your story, Pat. How how did you come to faith? How how did you enter ministry? Uh, you write songs. How how do you how that all come together? Tell us a bit about that. Sure, sure. Well, it's great to be here with you, Luke. And um, yeah, I I uh, never get tired of telling my story. I I grew up in a Christian home. Um, my dad died when I was one year old, and so my mom uh, really modeled um, what it looked like to love Jesus and live for Jesus. But it was my mom's faith and uh, got, you know, drugged to church for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And I think there was moments in my childhood where, like, I, I felt God, I sensed God. Um, but it was at age 13 uh, in a small town in, in northern uh, British Columbia called Topley uh, <laughs> that uh, my brother uh, ended up staying at the church all night long and I came, he came home, um, and my mom said to me, as I was on my way to eighth grade high school, she said, uh, your brother was at the church all night last night and, and wonderfully met Jesus. And hmm. he was a, an older brother that I looked up to a lot. I was kind of going the way he was going and kind of rebellion and all that. And mm-hmm. I was 13 years of age and, um, I, just felt a big, strong hand reach in and grab my heart and say, um, uh, you know, I'm better than anything else. And 
I remember I went to the bus stop there. It was, it was the middle of winter. And I think it was like minus 35 that morning, the bus, the bus wouldn't start. And so <laughs> they sent, sent us all back home. And I remember running down the street, you know, I think there's population 150 people in Topley one, one street. My, I lived on one end of it. The church was <laughs> at the other end. Um, and, and running into the church at like six 30 in the morning and getting on my knees in the, in the nursery, the baby nursery, cause it was the only room in this double wide trailer church that had heat. Mm. Uh, and I got on my knees and I just said, God, whatever happened to my brother, um, I want the same thing. Mm. I, mm. and, and I was, I was yelling and hollering and screaming. My grandmother lived across the road and I woke her up. <laughs> she wondered who was yelling in the church and she came, wow. came, came and got down beside, <laughs> beside me. And, uh, she was in her nightgown and her slippers. I still remember. And, <laughs> and I was yelling and, and she, she just started worshiping Jesus, just telling him how beautiful he was, how mm. much she loved him. And, and I thought, you know, maybe I should try that rather than all this kind of crazy yelling and uh so anyways i don't know time time seemed to stand still i think we were there for four hours you know just wow, wow. and i felt the call of god in my life there felt called mm -hmm. to pastoral ministry um and and that's that's kind of i mean i i can tell that story like it was yesterday because sure. just the the unbelievable reality of of this radical encounter with Jesus. And I think my life has, has just been one of staying close to Jesus. Um, hmm. You know, I, I grew up in a home. My mom was a musician and everybody seemed to have a, like maybe God given kind of gifting to, to pick something up and play it. So, you know, there's either an old piano or an old organ sitting around and, and, uh, none of us had any money to take lessons or do anything like that, yeah. but we just, we sat on instruments and, you know, fiddled around with them and played and sang. And, um, that, that was kind of, I feel like, you know, some people say we've written a lot of songs and I I've been asked to teach seminars on songwriting <laughs> and I feel often like, you know, anything that's, that's kind of happened to me, it's, it's, it's in that place of just being with Jesus. Hmm. And, uh, and then songs come and things happen where I, I don't, I don't feel like I have a lot of gifting unless he, he shows up and, and kind of helps me then, then something mm -hmm. kind of comes, comes together. But wow. so, yeah, just, I, I think, I think Jesus awakened my heart radically changed my life and, and, uh, you know, serving Jesus is hard. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, if you want to, you want to lose your life, uh, you'll find it. Mm -hmm. And so just trying to live uh, every day. I'm 56. Now I was 13 then. Um, and it's not any different today. What does it look like to lose my life? Uh, because the promise is I'd find it then. And, and, um, yeah, so I, I don't have, I don't have a lot of, uh, <laughs> I don't have a, a, an impressive resume. It's like Jesus radically saved me. And when I stay close to him and love him and delight in him, uh, I find abundant joy. And I find that, um, he is, he is the one who gives mm -hmm. me songs, who, 
leads me, who <laughs> uh, allows me to serve him in ministry and love people mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all those things. Wow, that's amazing. That's uh, that's the, the key to ministry right there. It's yeah. pursuing Jesus. Yeah, oh, that's it's beautiful. Um, and there, there's so many different ways I take that. Uh, one of the questions I have is: Have you always been a minister of worship, or did you have other roles in the church? Was that kind of like your dream to become a worship pastor, or did you have other other desires when you entered ministry? Yeah, it's crazy. I started full time ministry as a youth pastor. Uh-huh. And uh, I never ever seen myself as the guy who likes fooling around with young people and doing cor- <laughs> cor- corny games and yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> but um, I, I I learned I learned how to do it. Uh, but I was in a church where uh, there was a worship pastor, and I was the youth pastor in a church in Toronto of like twelve hundred people. And the lead pastor would always say, would you lead? Because I like mm. like when you lead. <laughs> and so the worship guy was like, hey, wh- what's the deal? I'm I'm hired to do this job. But he's always asking if if you would lead. Mm. Um, and at that time, I didn't play an instrument not well enough to, mm-hmm. I could get by on piano and I played drums, but don't usually lead worship uh, on drums. Uh, so yeah, it was the early days, uh, and realizing that when I when I got up there and led God's people, it was a, a real joy. Hmm. Um, and then I I had associate pastored a few times. I planted a church. Hmm. Uh, that church was going for twenty years, and a couple of years ago we merged it with another church. Hmm. So I've been a lead guy. I've been a. I I think passion though always has been. Uh, that what what Jesus has done in me, and the older I get, I want to I want to be part of a transfer of something that's mm-hmm. that I feel like is really important to the next generation. Hmm. And so, give me as many young men and young <laughs> young women who who lead worship in a corporate setting in a local church, and I, I want to invest in them. Yeah, for the sake of of hopefully transferring some things that that the Lord is you know, taught me over the years. That's awesome. That's amazing. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned earlier your, your grandma in the, in the church, just praising Jesus and, uh, I, being someone that's been led in worship by you at different events, conferences, um, and seeing your passion, I can only imagine what her passion was like. <laughs> I, I guess I know where it comes from now. Um, but, but your passion for Jesus is amazing. And, you know, whether it's a small group of 50 people or, thousands of people, hundreds of people, you always have that passion to, to, to seek Jesus and worship. How, how do you keep that fire, that passion for Jesus alive as a leader? Hmm. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I always, always told my kids growing up and I still have young kids, but my, my, my biological kids who are now adults and, and uh, walking with Jesus, but I used to say on a regular basis to them, you know, if you're, you're reading your Bible and you're praying and you you go one day and you're just like, I, it didn't make any sense or I don't really mm. get it. I'm not really getting anything from it. And two days and three days and four days, you know, you don't want to let too many days pass without like just saying what, what's wrong. And is my heart cold? And, and sometimes just confessing, I think my heart's cold. I, I need to be warm by the fires of, of mm. the gospel of the good news of Jesus um, and so I think I've always prayed for, a uh, a, a, uh, an alive conscience mm-hmm. 
that, you know, I think it was, uh, I quoted it just this couple Sundays ago. Maybe it was uh, John Wesley who said, give me a hundred men who love only God with all their hearts and hate only sin with all mm. their hearts. Yeah. And, and we'll take the kingdom of God in one <laughs> gener- generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, I think I've just prayed that I try to pray that regularly. Mm. And I, uh, you know, we, we do a Sunday corporate confession every Sunday in our local church. And, and we, we, we pray in the confession. We, we haven't loved you with our whole heart, our soul, mind, mm. and strength. And, and I feel um, that's all too often, you know, our, our issue. <laughs> and, uh, and if we're not, if we're not mindful of that, if we're not aware of it. So I think I've asked the Lord, I've asked the Holy Spirit to keep me close. And, and when I drift, you know, cause I'm telling you, man, it's, it's the little foxes that are spoiling the vines. It's, it's the little things in our life that we're, we're leaving unchecked that is um that's causing a, a lot of trouble and we we need you know it's it's the still small voice of the spirit it's brothers and sisters in our lives if we don't have them i always say if you're not going to submit to the still small voice and brothers in your life then then maybe the lord in his kindness is going to put you on the front page of the paper you know the local paper and, and we don't want that <laughs> yeah uh, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. God opposes proud people, but he gives mm-hmm. grace to humble people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to, I want to, I want to be low. I want to be humble. I want to position myself and I'm, I'm not a humble man. I'm proud, mm-hmm. uh, but I want to be a humble man. And so I think just, you know, the, the woman who had an issue of blood in the gospel that pressed through the crowd and said, if I can just touch his garment, I want to be that guy who who lives that way every day Mm -hmm. that realizes there's so many things I need to press through. Um, and realizing that Jesus is eager to, to meet with me. He's he's never reluctant. He's never Mm -hmm. mad at me. (laughs) He's never, you know, he, he loves me and he, he longs for me to draw near. Um, Mm. and, uh, the lies that come from the enemy that tell us, uh, he, you know, he's, he's angry at us or, we haven't done a good enough job or we've, we've failed to read and pray again, you know, all these things. Um, so I think just an alive conscience, staying close to Jesus. And I, and I feel like the older I get um, something, I, 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 I want my life to be a reply to the fact that he loved me first, hmm. but I have to really understand what that means. And um, I think there's way too many Christians that just, don't understand what it means to be loved by the father. And if we really did, um, you know, maybe, maybe we wouldn't drift as often. Maybe we wouldn't. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't even know if I answered your question. Oh, you I did. No, no, no. So that last part, understanding that he loved us first briefly, like unpack that for us. I think, yeah, I think there's just so much where, we're always trying to, we, we live, uh, the Christian life often is, is the same way we do it in the world and in, in the culture of the world. So often the culture of the world is, is perform, perform, perform. Mm-hmm. And that gives you, you know, stars and tickets. And 
people you're acceptable if you do these things and you do them well and you get good grades and you get good marks and um and so i feel often the christian is is living under this cloud of i i just can't seem to ever measure up you know i'm 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 dropping the ball as a dad i'm dropping the ball as a husband i'm dropping the ball uh, my church attendance i certainly am not not steady in my Bible reading. You know, I, I, I start a plan, I get all excited. And by January 13th, it's, <laughs> I'm so far behind. I just yeah. give up, you know, it's just that constant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, I think that's what the enemy loves. He wants us to just get all in this place of performance and then realizing that we're not performing and therefore, you know, God's angry at us. I remember for many years i lived my christian life like you know where it says that your our names are written in the lamb's book of life i kind of saw like the angel and he had a bottle of whiteout <laughs> and and uh my name was in that book but yeah. every every time i was doing something bad my name got taken out of the the mm. book mm-hmm. and then when i when i performed and did things well it got put back in and and I, I saw this picture one time of the angel trying to close the book and he could hardly close it because the whiteout was so thick above on my name from, from being my name being put in and out of that book. How ridiculous. But I think many Christians live that way. And mm-hmm. if we could really understand, uh, Matt Redman had an old song called Let Everything That Has Breath. And, and the line that went to the chorus all the time, he says, if we could see how much you're worth, your love, your power, your endless something, then surely we would never cease to praise. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like I just want to understand the love that God has for me, that literally that love is unchanging on my worst day, my best day of performance and my absolute worst day. He never changes in saying, I have forever set my affection on you mm-hmm. um, and if that isn't enough to to make us worship and to you know what what i when i get with god's people it it hopefully it's an it's an overflow yeah of, yeah i've just been like living like i can't believe that that you've saved me and that you you love me in spite mm-hmm. of you know just this morning grumbled and said things i shouldn't have said chewed out one of my kids i mean you know how how do, how do we, and this, this, this is, this isn't about worship and yet it's completely about worship because mm-hmm. if we can, if we can get it, that, that he loves us first, he loved us first and he loves us. Um, then, then so much, everything flows from there. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah. So I think we could talk about that for the rest of the podcast. Cause that yeah. is just the foundation to, to ministry and, and to worship. Um, yeah, but I do want to talk about discipleship and worship. I think it's a unique, a unique thought, um, how those two play together. And, and one that, you know, I, I have horror stories of me leading worship as a youth pastor who knew like three chords and basically got forced into it. And like my understanding of leading worship was like, I just need to find songs I can play decently yeah. on yeah. Sunday morning. Right. <laughs> so, so people can sing along. Uh, and really, really do we probably think about the role that worship and discipleship had together. And so when I've heard you talk about worship and discipleship, you've, you've taught upon like the importance of uh, uh, like liturgical understanding of worship mm. and that, that word, you know, yeah. liturgy, you know, it, it rubs people the wrong way sometimes. Uh, yeah. So can you unpack that word for us a little bit? 
yeah i i mean it's it's two greek words just means public work or mm-hmm. the work of the people uh brian chapel which is a book i'd recommend for for anybody um that is wanting to be gospel focused in their corporate gatherings mm-hmm. or their their sunday service um you know, I think primarily he he spends a lot of chapters talking talking about the liturgy of Luther and Calvin mm-hmm. and some of these other other early church fathers. But chapter twelve, kind of on, there's there's just really good stuff for us to to mine mm-hmm. from that. But he he says um, the biblical word it, it includes. Uh, the, sorry, the biblical word for all that's included in our worship is liturgy, liturgia or latter latter lateria i guess it is uh, romans 12 1 it simply describes a public way a church honors god and it's times of gathered praise prayer instruction and commitment mm-hmm. um you know other other people if if liturgy gets you your knots and a your shorts and a knot <laughs> may, may, maybe uh you know it's just it just means order of worship mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and we we all have one whether yeah. we think we do or not um <laughs> You know, it's interesting that some people have, you know, gone away from a, a call to worship and they, they, there's a welcome, um, you know, turn around and greet someone has, has replaced the, the passing of the peace or mm-hmm. a closing prayer replaces the benediction. Um, so, so there's just, there's a lot of things that we're doing. We still have an order of service. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would just say that we need to be intentional. And I feel like that's a real weakness in the local church when it comes to the corporate uh, singing portion of our gatherings. You know, I I've heard many, many senior pastors say, I just need a guy to, to kind of get that 30 minutes and do it. Okay. So we can get to the preaching. Mm. Uh, That's, that's a really devastating way to think about our Sunday gatherings. Mm. Um, I think from the minute that we open and we start with a call to worship that call is reminding us that god the great initiator from the beginning is the one who's calling us you know it's not the worship leader saying come on stand up and now you need to you need to be alive and you know snap out of your bad morning or whatever um no it's it's (laughs) reminding god's people that that we've gathered and we wouldn't even want to gather had he not done something in our hearts um, and so he's the one who calls us to worship. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's just vitally important that we, when we think in terms of, of our Sunday gathering, we're, we're, we're asking that question, are we intentional, you know, in the choice of our songs in the scriptures we read and the, you know, the pastor, you know, most churches, pastors spend in 15 to 20 hours a week in preparation for that sermon. But mm-hmm. I, I wonder, and often a lot of the smaller churches with lay people, uh, and that's where my heart would be, I think, for, for those churches is how do we equip and help them mm-hmm. to not, not go, hey, I'm going to, you know, like you said, be in the, <laughs> the youth guy, pick, yeah. pick, pick your three favorite songs because they're, you're comfortable playing them. And, uh, you know, they don't have more than three courts, maybe a minor <laughs> once in a while, yep. Uh, yep. but h- how can we be intentional to go, you know, I, I really need to serve my church. And, and mm. this portion of the, of the service is just as important a- as the preaching of God's word. 
So then how do you arrange your service to think through those things? Like, is there a flow that you constantly go back to? Uh, I kind of the answer that because I've, I've been led by you and I, I've noticed that. But uh, yeah. for those who maybe never uh, been in a service that you've led worship in, what, what does that flow look like? How are you discipling the people through song and reading response? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's the there's this pattern that we see in scripture. Um, we see it a lot in scripture. Um, you know, it's, it's the God, God initiates, we respond. Um, and, and often there's like, when God initiates, there's this recognition that Hmm. there's human, human confession or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, like we see it in individual encounters with God and with corporate encounters with God a lot through the old Testament, um, and, and then into the new Testament, we have this pattern of, of, you know, whether it be, it can be, um, can, we can see it in Ephesians. We can see it in Romans, this kind of God revealing himself, you know, man seeing aware of our condition. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think we, we start, we always start with a call to worship because our gathering is we're, we're gathering because we we're prone to wander and we mm-hmm. forget, we forget God, we forget, mm-hmm. uh, the good news of Jesus. Yeah. And so we need to, we need to be reminded and we need to be stirred up and, you know, the Hebrews 10 text of don't forsake the assembling of yourself, but you know, all the more, as you see the day drawing near, encourage one another, I think it says, mm-hmm. and, to, and to, uh, encourage one another. Um, so, so I think there's this, this aspect of, we start with God. We start by, by reminding our church that, that God is the one who's called us this morning to worship mm-hmm. him. You know, I always encourage people to, we do it here often. Uh, no one likes to come to church on time. I don't know if it's different in Saskatchewan or <laughs> no, not, but no, no. If you figure it out, let me know. <laughs> and what, what, what drives me completely crazy is when they have a Starbucks in their hand or something, it's like, come on, like, I, I, you know, it reminds me a little bit of, of the, the Malachi text. So, you know, would you, would you, would you present your, your uh, governor or whatever he was saying with this, you know, polluted sacrifice or this mm-hmm. lame sacrifice? Um, and I think sometimes we, I don't know what it is. We, we would be late for work. I mean, we, we get fired if we did it too many days in a row, mm-hmm. but there's this casual approach to, to the Sunday gathering and, mm-hmm. and, I don't know. I, yeah, I, it's something we, with much grace, motivating by grace, we should be challenging our church that man, when 10 AM or whatever time your service starts, God, God is, wants to address us, mm-hmm. you know, and he mm-hmm. wants us to know that I'm, I've called you to this place this morning to worship me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we do a call to worship out of that call to worship. Um, you know, the Isaiah six, uh, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. That was God. God initiated to Isaiah to reveal himself. Um, and so the call to worship, God reminds us, I've called you to worship. But not only does he call us, then he reveals himself. Hmm. He shows himself to us. Um, and, and you know, that's why I think it's so important for churches to sing songs that are objective focus and, mm-hmm. and focused on God, on, on Jesus Christ, who he is and, and what he's done. You know, don't start singing songs at the beginning of your gathering on, 
you need to do better and you need to press in and you need to, man, let your songs be your, your people are coming in and they're far more aware of their sin and failure than they are aware mm. of the glory and the grace and the beauty of Jesus. I think it was Robert Murray McShane that said for every, uh, 10 looks at Christ, we need to take one look at ourselves. Hmm. We reverse that order mm -hmm. on, yeah. on any given week. Most people coming into your church are what I call belly button gazing, and they're looking at themselves inward and they're seeing their sin and their failure. Mm -hmm. And if they're lucky, they've taken one look at Christ, maybe hmm. not even taken a look at Christ. So I want to, I want to remind them, God called you here this morning. And yeah. then I want, and I want to put songs that declare, do you see who he is, how big, how great, how glorious he is? And can you see what he's done for you? Mm -hmm. And, 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 and in the same Isaiah six vein, Isaiah sees the Lord, he's seated on the throne. He's holy, holy, holy. And what happens to Isaiah in that place? He says, woe is me for yeah. I'm ruined. Um, and, and so the effect of beholding God uh, when we do it rightly and, and when the Lord is there by his spirit, I think what happens is we, we see ourselves, we see just how far we've drifted. We see how we've wandered. We see that we, we, we shouldn't even be allowed to stand in his presence. Um, you know, I think, um, again, Brian Chapel mentions this, uh, in his book, Christ-Centered Worship on a corporate confession of sin. And he says, some have questioned whether confession of sin has a place in contemporary worship. I've actually had some people come up to me and go, whoa, like, why do you guys do that kind of thing? Uh, he, he says, such acknowledgement of our shortcomings may be perceived as a downer or a turnoff uh, to congregants who have little background in church. I love this, though. He says, however, it's reasonable to question whether worship is Christian worship at all if there's no opportunity for confession. Interesting. Wow. Um, wow. And, and then he says, human confession is a reflex response of divine encounter. Hmm. So I think that casualness often about our churches, we haven't helped our church understand that God is among us, that God hmm. is the one who walks among the candle stands in Revelation. Mm -hmm. Is it chapter two or somewhere there? Or chapter one, you know, God is the one who he's the Lord of the church. He's, he's the one who's with us by the power of his spirit when we gather. Um, and so if he's present and his spirit is present and he's, uh, you know, he's revealing himself, it is, it's only appropriate that we would go as a church and, and so that we would, have, we would have a corporate confession of sin out of a time of adoration and beholding God to just say, we haven't loved you like mm -hmm. we, with our whole heart. We haven't loved our neighbor. You know, there's, there's on our best day, we're not, we're not loving our neighbors as yeah. ourselves. Yeah. Um, and that's just a confession where, boy, we should, we, we should be, we behold him and I'm going, man, I am. I have fallen short, but the, the beautiful thing is confession of sin was never meant to be something that was, you know, if, if that was the end of your gathering, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would just be a, be a sad day. Mm -hmm. um, but the beautiful thing is it's like confession of sin is, 
is like, you know, diamonds on, on a, a black velvet or something. What, what magnifies the grace of God mm -hmm. so beautifully is this confession of sin. Cause we don't mm -hmm. stay there. We don't mm -hmm. wallow in our sin. We don't, you know, we're, we're not lamenting our brokenness and going, there's no hope. We're just broken. Yeah. And, but the beautiful thing is, is then we would do a assurance of pardon. Hmm. And so this is the time in my church where uh, we confess our sin. And then I say, you know, right now I'll say midtown, hear the good news from Psalm 103. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. As far as the heavens are above the earth, that's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. Like mm -hmm. this is a moment where there should be shouting and hooting and clapping because this beautiful moment of, you know, it's the Isaiah six, he, he confesses, he says, I got dirty mm -hmm. lips and I live mm -hmm. among a people with dirty lips. And then the seraph comes and he takes the coal from the altar and he places, he touches his lips. Yeah. It's a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done for us. He's atoned for every sin. Um, and that when, when we, when, when that moment happens in church, Oh, I don't care what your week has been like and how many times you've dropped the ball. I need to be telling my church that every week I need to be saying, okay, belly button gazers. Okay. People who've been taking 10 looks at yourself, take this fresh look mm. at Jesus, behold him because he mm. is worthy of everything because he's never changed. No matter wh where you've gone and how up and down you've been all week, yeah. he has been steadfast. And if that, over time, if that doesn't start to get you, see, I'm 56 and I, and we're all a little thick headed, but I think, <laughs> I think sometimes I'm just starting to get a little bit of it mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's unbelievable. So this, this assurance of pardon and, you know, Thanksgiving, obviously that's, that's, that can be connected to our giving. Yeah. And then we, we sit under the preached word again, where, where the Lord speaks to us again. Um, and, 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 you know, in our church, we do, we do Lord's supper every Sunday. Yeah. Um, and in the Lord's supper, we have this beautiful live illustration of the gospel we've been singing about and mm -hmm. reading about and preaching about. Um, and then, you know, the Isaiah text, Isaiah six, verse eight, I think, and the voice of the Lord said, who will go? And, and he says, here I am, send me. So, so we do a call to worship, ex exaltation, adoration, confession, assurance. Um, and then we hear the voice of the Lord and the preached word. We, we partake of the Lord's supper. We have this beautiful illustration of the gospel. And then we're sent with a benediction that says the, may the love of God, the father and the communion of the Holy spirit, um, go with you. You know, there's a sense yeah. where not only did we gather and we sang and we, we worship by listening to God's word and by fellowshipping and using our gifts, but now we're going in the same power of that same mm -hmm. Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we're being sent, we're sent ones. Um, so that's, that's kind of the structure that, yeah, that that's like, as you're talking there, Pat, I'm just thinking that's a gospel feast, man. It's a, like, that's a four feast. course feast. Like yeah. you, you, there's no way you can go there. Not, not have some, some gospel goodness that's just yeah yeah i mean i i i say that often um as as i'm out and about that we really have the 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 beauty of of a worship leader and like just think about this for a minute you you have 
this unbelievable privilege and opportunity to inform the devotional lives of your people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, like you have the, you have 20 or 30 minutes in the front. Um, you know, I, I remember it was a couple of years, quite a few years ago. I think my wife's, she has MS and she was diagnosed. It was probably, oh man, maybe like 19, 95 somewhere there maybe where she was diagnosed and i remember being at regent college and sitting in the the coffee shop bookstore while she's across the street and she had a bunch of tests and this was a final mri to determine does she have it does she not have it and she texts me across the street and she goes it's confirmed i have ms and i remembered you know that that sunday um I led when peace like a river attends mm. my way and sorrow like sea bills or whatever my law taught me to say. Uh, my pastor that Sunday preached about that our greatest need has already been met in Christ. Mm. Um, you know, we, we sang songs like before the throne of God above, I have a strong mm. and perfect plea. My name is written on his hands, uh, you know, and, and, just the, the amount of things that happened on that Sunday, you know, had prepared me for the news I was getting on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we want to be careful. We want to be mindful that what we're singing, the songs we're choosing, the, the, the scriptures, we want to be thinking intentionally a way that mm-hmm. says people are going to come into our church. And, and trust me, I, I, in the last few days, I've met with some of our community group leaders here and, and what I'm aware of Midtown is it's full of broken people mm-hmm. and your church is full of broken yeah. people and every church is. And, uh, I want to sing the gospel. I want to preach the gospel. I want to pray the gospel. I want to give hope. The, the, the gospel is not something that, that you needed for conversion. The gospel yeah. is something that we never move on from yeah. only into a more profound understanding mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. And I pray for Midtown and for, for every church that we would move into a more profound understanding of the gospel and that our worship leaders in our churches would love the gospel in such a way that keeps putting it in front of the people, keeps reminding because we are prone to wander and yeah. we're prone, prone to forget it. <laughs> yeah, And yeah. we need to be reminded regularly. So true. So true. So let's say there's a, a pastor listening right now. And he's hearing this and he's like, oh man, like I hear this and I'm convicted. I'm just like, man, we, we need to set the table for this gospel feast. Like what would be some encouragements you'd have for this lead pastor or, or a leader in the church to have these conversations with their worship leaders? Hmm. What would be some, some ways to go about that to, uh, to encourage a move towards a more gospel centered uh, worship service? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I'd probably start by, a, a couple books, the one I mentioned already, Christ-Centered Worship, mm-hmm. but I'd probably start by reading that. Uh, there's another book by Mike Cosper, and you might yeah, know that name yeah. because he just he just did a big uh, podcast on um, rise, and, <laughs> rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Yeah, Mike's a, a good friend. Um, he, he's written a book quite some time ago called Rhythms of Grace. Yeah, it's a great book. Um, yeah. yeah, so I think I'd, I'd probably start with those two books. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I still do. And the beautiful thing of my age and where I'm at and how the Lord has allowed me to, to be here at Midtown that I've, 
I, I do a lot of coaching and just hanging out with people. So if there was a lead pastor out there that said, Hey, we'd love to move that way. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd, I'd be more than happy to have a conversation with somebody and, and, um, you know, anything I could do to help for sure. I, th I think, I think starting with those books, yeah. um, there's probably a bunch of stuff that's out there where I've taught at a conference or something too, <laughs> where you could probably get your hands on easy enough if you wanted yeah, to. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, well we're, we're slowly running out of time here. So I just want to kind of get to a few questions. That I, I personally want to ask you, cause I'm interested in the response. Okay. Um, number one, what, what would you say are some of the greatest challenges facing uh, the church in the area of worship? So think about the next mm. five to 10 years, we see some of those, those big challenges. Mm. Yeah. I, I think is, I think of late, I've found myself being encouraged by, by a lot of the songs that are being written. Mm -hmm. I felt like for a lot of time there, long time, there was a bit of a drift from, from songs that were focused more on Christ and who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's, it's been encouraging of late to see some of the stuff that's coming out. Um, I mean, I guess my concern always is that that we we make it something that it isn't and you know the the old matt redmond song i'm we're, we're sorry lord for the thing we made it mm -hmm. coming back to a heart of worship mm -hmm. um, i think that the temptation is to be caught up in youtube yeah and there's some unbelievable videos being made out there where you know that I, it's not meant to, but I think often it says to many people that are leaning in, if I could, if I could put people in a circle and I could put a few lights and some smoke or something, you know, we, we could, we could have that or experience mm -hmm. that. Um, and, and it, you know, coming back to a heart of worship is, is not about any of that. Yeah. I think, I think Luke, you were there just recently at, at, a, at Whistler when mm -hmm. there's about 50 of us that met in a, in a hotel room with an acoustic guitar and God met us in a special yeah. way. And, yeah. it, you know, I always wonder, I, I attended a, a big conference here, a worship central in Vancouver a couple of years ago, just before the pandemic. And it was, you know, it was amazing, like smoke pouring off the stage <laughs> and lighting and the best sound system, the best of everything. And I just wondered that there's 1800 people in the room and I just wondered, I was thinking to myself, if everybody paid their money and we showed up that night uh, and, and there was no smoke and no lights and no big band and someone walked out with an acoustic guitar, um, you know, would there be such disappointment that mm. people would almost feel like I've been ripped off and I wow. can't worship. Yeah. And I feel like that might be, let, let's not, let's be careful that if I have any concern, maybe in the next five to 10 years is that we don't worship worship mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. we, we stay worshiping Jesus. We, we, we make it about him. Yeah. It's a good word. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Pat, you've been in ministry for over 30 years. I think uh, I might be wrong on that, but I think 30, 33, 33. All right. <laughs> So if you go back to young Pat, who's just kind of entering ministry, what, what advice would you have for him? Yeah. Uh, uh, 
I the, the advice I think I would give him is the advice I've kind of been saying throughout mm-hmm. this. I would just say, stay close to Jesus. Yeah. You, you, you have no ministry if you don't abide. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of Jesus' words in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, whatever it is, come to me, I'll give you rest. And it's like, I need rest. Ministry is hard. Yeah. But then he says, take my yoke on you and, and learn from me. So when we get in the, the yoke with the bigger ox, who's Jesus, and he's, he's the experienced ox. He's the one who, who has plowed and knows exactly what, what the field, how the field is to be plowed. That when I get yoked with him, I realize that uh, ministry isn't, isn't nearly as the thing I've made it. And it's mm. killing people because obviously there's there's people stepping out of ministry left and right mm-hmm. right now, like the discouragement and the I can't do this anymore. It's it's through the roof. I don't mm-hmm. know that I've ever seen the amount of guys just bailing, and um, I feel like if if we can if we could stick with Jesus and not. You know, too often we're saying, Jesus, we want to do this. Would you bless it? Mm-hmm, and he's, mm-hmm. he's saying, why don't you just get in the yoke with me? And you're not going to get weary and tired. You're just going to. And and that's that. That's that John 15. Apart from you, yeah, yeah. we can do nothing. And if if we could really believe that and we could wake up every morning, um, I would say to a young guy, if you think you're going to change the world with your ministry, um, apart from Jesus, you'll be, you'll be dead in you know, your first three years. Yeah. Um, yeah. but if you cling to Christ and you love him and he, he's probably going to tell you to do some things really differently than what you want to do and what, what the status quo is telling you to do, but it will be the greatest joy of your life to walk with him. And you, you, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose your life and you're going to find it. You're going to find it in him in a way that's far superior to anything that you've ever imagined. Wow. That's good. All right. Last, last question. You've talked a lot about books. Um, I appreciate that. I I like books. And so uh, I always like a good book, Um, but there's a lot of leaders, like you just said, who are discouraged and frustrated. Um, What would be one word of encouragement outside of what you said, like what you said has been point on, but outside of that, what would be one word of encouragement you'd have for them in this crazy season that we're in? Man. Yeah. I I think the word of encouragement would be, uh, you know, maybe you need to pull off, you know, think of the the highways and the the rest stops. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe it's just time to pull off for a minute and, and uh, quiet your soul. I, you know, a book like uh, what, one thing I feel like we need more than anything is a, is a bigger view of God. Hmm. Um, I think our, you know, the psalmist in Psalm 50 says to the wicked, you thought the Lord was saying, you thought, you thought I was like you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we've shrunk God to our size Hmm. and um, our finite minds seem to you know, we just, we don't see him for who he is. And so books like knowledge of the holy, I'm just reading knowing Mm -hmm. God, knowing God again by J.I. Packer. I mean, we should be reading those books every year Yeah, and and we should, we should just be falling on our face and going, 
God, you are, you are not like us mm-hmm. and you are above and beyond us in every way. And, and glorious. I, I would, I would just encourage people to, to behold him and to mm-hmm. let that beholding, um, you know, overwhelm their souls to the point of Yeah. Rest stops are, there's a reason for them. And, and I think sometimes, uh, we, we need to just pull off and do that. So I would encourage, I would encourage anyone listening to you know, to, to put the old stethoscope on your heart and, or whatever that thing mm-hmm. is and, and just say, how's my soul? How's yeah. my heart? How am I yeah. doing? Am I just going through the motions? Going through the motions is, that's the absolute worst way to do ministry. Mm-hmm. Pull off and, and, and get your heart revived and get your soul revived. And, and then, you know, love God with your whole heart and hate sin with your whole heart. Mm-hmm. And, and let's, let's be a part of seeing this generation be transformed by the yeah. power of, of the gospel. Yeah. I love it. I love it, Pat. Um, so I know that you, uh, you, you podcast for the gospel coalition. Is that correct? Gospel coalition yep. Canada. Yep. Um, I think that'd be a great resource. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes, but you just want to share just a 10 second, 30 second view of, of what that podcast is about for, for worship leaders. Yeah. It's typically for worship leaders, worship teams, anybody that kind of has a heart for worship. And, mm-hmm. you know, we just did one recently on, on kind of burnout. We, we had Paul Balash on there not too long ago and he mm-hmm. told his story. If anyone likes Paul Balash, he's, I, I said on there, I have a man, a little bit of a man crush <laughs> on Paul. <laughs> His songs have definitely impacted me in the church. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And Bob Coughlin's been on there. Nice. You know, yeah. Bob's Bob's book, Worship Matters, is mm-hmm. kind of a must for, for any worship leader. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff there. Awesome. Yeah. We'll, we'll put a link to that in our show notes. Uh, thanks again, Pat, for, for taking time to encourage our churches here in Saskatchewan and uh, to, to share your heart for Jesus with us. We really appreciate it. So thanks for joining thanks, us. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Well, hey, thanks again for joining us today on the Future Church Podcast. Before you go, I have one small request, and that is that you would subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. I would hate to see you miss out on any of our future interviews and episodes that will be coming out for the next couple of months. So please subscribe. The Future Church Podcast is a ministry of the SKMB Family of Churches. If you want more information about the SKMB family of churches, you can go to skmb.ca and learn more there. Until next time, grace and peace.